1: Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Light. It's exciting to win money.
0: out to History with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not Really? Gambling, guys? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot.
2: And we welcome you into a full slate of Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover. Greg, Going in to buy my, I almost said college basketball partner of Prime, but it is baseball opening day and we're going to keep Phil Christie aboard uh, to talk a little diamond as we uh, hit the diamond for the spring and all summer long. Uh, That will uh, soon take center stage in the sports world. Obviously still have uh, champions to be crowned uh, in the winter sports in college, and then we'll obviously shift our focus to the NBA and Stanley Cup playoffs. But baseball is with us all the way. Until the end of October. Now that is so good to say, uh, Bill. It's good to have you aboard board talking some baseball. Yeah, I think it's gonna be my first time
1: doing baseball here with you. Excited to, to break it down a little bit. I was, I know you're you know, an East Coast guy, and I went out with my uh, my wife the other day. We had a really nice day in the afternoon here, and we ran out to Chickie and Pete's to get some lunch, and we were both saying how like the only thing missing was a, a Phillies game on TV. It just had that you know spring feeling, and yeah looking forward to seeing the fills get out there as ugly as it might be again this year, but just to have it back is, is exciting. And, you know, like we said, the springtime coming, being nicer weather outside, catching the game outside, it's, it's always good to look forward to. And with the COVID quarantine stuff kind of wrapping up, it's, you know, some light at the end of the tunnel for us. It seems like.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. And I should have mentioned you can find Bill and all of uh, his gambling information on Twitter At Larry's Locks, too. You know him as Lucha Larry on gambling Twitter. But, you know, I I just want to piggyback off that notion real quick. I have always felt, first off, baseball is a sport that I was first introduced to, really the only one that my dad uh, followed pretty closely. And so uh, it has, for that reason, kind of always been my favorite just as a first love. And uh, I've always felt that when we hit this day, uh, as you said, those kind of springtime feelings kick in and it sometimes actually, I actually, I don't think that baseball opening day in my, not to my knowledge has ever come before the first official day of spring. But even if it did like, or, or even like the last couple weeks since we've already been into the official start of spring on the calendar, spring starts with baseball opening day for me when you, and, and just seeing, and thank God, it sounds like, Uh, Every stadium is going to at least have some limited capacity attendance. Uh, Seeing the crowds and an outdoor sport that, like I said, will be with us now for the next six, seven months uh, is just a sign of the calendar uh, turning the page. And uh, trust me, I know uh, you being uh, from my neck of the woods as well. uh, Of course, now I, I live out here in Minnesota where the winters are a lot more brutal. But nonetheless, the baseball opening day was kind of always that Uh, You mentioned light at the end of the tunnel as far as COVID is concerned, but also light at the end of the tunnel as far as the weather, right? It was always like, all right, aha, Mm -hmm. we've made it. April weather, you know, the Phils games could always be a little messy sometimes there in April. You'd get those 40-degree days with wind and rain where nobody wanted to be at the ballpark. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, there really isn't anything like a good, nice weather opening day. When it comes to the professional sports, uh, and I think – Obviously, week one in the NFL creates a bunch of excitement for a lot of people, but I don't get nearly as excited for the start of the NHL and the NBA seasons as I do baseball. There's just a lot of uh, you know, father-son, springtime feelings that, that come with this day. No,
1: I 100% agree with you. It's definitely the, uh, the sports world start of spring, without a doubt. And like you said, NFL season, I think, at least for me, maybe because I'm just not a huge college football guy, but when college football kicks off, I get that same kind of feel. It's like it's just something different about it. I don't, I don't know what I mean. I can't put my finger on it really, but um, those couple of sports when they kick off, it's just a different aura about them. Like you said, baseball for sure, especially being with the uh, you know being America's pastime. You exactly. Know, something special about it. And, and
2: off. listen, I, I realize that obviously at the youth levels in particular. Uh, participation over the last decade or so seems to have really decreased and uh, I don't know I I think there'll always kind of be those feelings for me with this sport I go to the Hall of Fame every year for induction weekend uh, in late July and and just get to see uh, the greatest players that have ever played up there in Cooperstown which has always been something I've been doing that since I was in eighth grade going into ninth grade uh, to start high school so um, it really is a fun, uh, fun time of year and I hope to, uh, at some point this year, make it back to the ballpark uh, there in Philly. And um, may, who else? Who, who knows where else I'll end up. Uh, I know that the Phils are in Pittsburgh again, and I'm trying to get to that ballpark in July, which is right around my um, induction weekend trip. So uh, do you have a, a favorite ballpark? I, I suppose we'll leave uh, the bank out of it.
1: Yeah, I haven't been to too, too many. I've been to Camden Yards, which is obviously sure.
2: yeah, been a great
1: spot to be. Um, but I was actually in Florida for work a few years ago, and we went to a Miami Marlins game, and let me tell you, that was an experience uh, yeah. much different than what I was very you know. Good, bad,
2: or indifferent experience?
1: I don't want to say bad, because it is what it is. It's just, it, it doesn't feel like you're at a baseball game. You know, you're indoors. Yeah. The the crowd is definitely not uh, as attuned to what's going on Mm -hmm. as they normally are. Like in Philly, it's it's just a totally it it doesn't feel real to me. I just felt like I was like almost in a video game. Um, Got to see uh, Marlins man while while I was there. That was kind of (laughs) cool. But yeah, totally totally different feel to it. It was strange. But um,
2: summer tailgate guy Bill. What's that? I said you are you a summer tailgate guy. Oh, my God. Not so much
1: anymore, but when I was in my early 20s, that was – and that's also when, you know, the Phillies were at the peak. Um, oh, sure. And, it, I mean, we would just go – I can't tell you how many times it's we would go every and not not go into the game, whether we had tickets or not, and just, right. you know, have the game on the radio and hang out in the parking lot play games, tell you games, drink, and eat, and until the cops came and said, you guys got to get out of here. <laughs> Those days are kind of gone, not just for me, but they, they really crack down now around the stadium before the game, you know, once the first inning starts, they get everybody out of there. So it's a little different. Hey, you but know, it's funny. I, I don't
2: think I've tailgated Cause when that heyday was happening, I'm a little younger than you. I was in high school. Um, and so obviously wasn't really tailgating much then. And I don't think I've tailgated a Phil's game that I could not, that I wasn't attending. So, um, like I've done that for the Eagles and really, you know, that's a whole nother animal, but, um, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think I've ever uh, – noticed. so I don't think I've noticed. I didn't know that they did that, that they have really gotten people out of there by the first inning.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was a totally different atmosphere once uh, – you know, I guess it was like maybe three years after they won the World Series, and that was about it. They, they really sure. cracked out on it. So it. Yeah.
2: I can't imagine. I mean, obviously, it's crazy to think, too, that they're now – I don't know if you knew this. They're the longest playoff drought in the National League now that the Marlins right. and Padres made it last year. Wow, it's oh. you know
1: what's so crazy. Sorry, I know I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but what's so crazy to me about that is if you told me what happened in '08 and then what they were able to do as far as assemble a pitching staff, you would think that they're like, wow, these guys really have a handle on it. They're going to really become a dynasty now. And it was the exact opposite. It was just a slow regression, literally. I mean, literally by
2: every round year that they were here
1: and. Yeah, and it was just it was crazy to see. Again, I
2: I, I wouldn't that trade game it. five against the Cardinals in 2011. Really did feel like a funeral. Yeah,
1: you know, I was I was at that game. I remember, cool. I remember when Howard went down. I was like, yo,
2: my God. I, and as the game went on, I like I remember Halliday busting his ass, like double uh, triple double or double triple first two hitters for St. Louis. So they had a run in. And it's running on second, I believe, nobody out, chance for a big first inning, and he prevented that. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of sat there one nothing. And, gosh, I think by, like, the sixth or seventh inning, I was just like, damn, we really might lose one nothing. And and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah so anyway, enough with our uh, Phillies gabbering. Uh, hopefully Aaron Nola can throw a good game and, and they can at least be ahead of the Braves for a day in the National League East. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about some of our handicapping strategies when it comes to Major League Baseball. Um, And, uh, Bill, I suppose I'll let you start with the futures um, because I know you and our producer, Alex, were going back and forth (laughs) about uh, the home run leader, uh, and that was one that you did uh, dabble with. Uh, Most of this is just going to be kind of game-to-game, kind of daily stuff. Uh, but tell us a little bit about your uh, home run leader future there and any other futures, if at all, that you've placed.
1: No, that was the only one that I placed. Um, I typically don't play too many NLB futures, and if I do, I don't do it until I, get, I feel like I have a grasp of the season, which is near impossible to think you have right. at the start of it here. Um, but I was, I was going through, uh, you know, I, I'm in one fantasy league, so I was looking at some stuff on that the other day. Uh, and then I like to play once in a while um, some longer odds on guys that I think are going to have home runs in the game. Um, and when I was going through some of that stuff, I was looking at lineups and you know looking at guys who performed pretty well in the short season last year. And Hernandez over in Toronto, I said I sent out a tweet. He had 16 home runs through 50 games. Um, you know, you do the math on it and he's on pace for over 50 for the season. And then you, you couple that along with the fact that they have. Um, you know, Bobichet ahead of them. They have uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. behind him. He's super protected in that lineup. Sure. And then I I didn't realize it at first. I thought. Well, and I guess George Springer will lead off for them, right? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm assuming that. Yeah. Um, but at first I was thinking they were going to be back at the Rogers Center. Um. But then I realized, you know, they don't, they don't really have a grasp on it up there just yet. So they're going to be playing down there at uh, in Florida. I forget the stadium's name off the top of my head now. Um, but I looked into the stadium a little bit, and they have a short porch in left field sure. uh, where he, he can pull the ball and, and get some extra home runs there. And from everything I read, it's very comparable to their stadium up there in Toronto. And then if they get back there, Toronto had the highest-paced home runs of any stadium in the league. Uh, back when they had a full season in 19. And it wasn't really that close. When you looked at the numbers, it was like almost a whole, uh, a full point above the second place team or second place uh, stadium. So, you know, I factor all that stuff together. And when you look at his eyes and get him at 65 to one, I mean, you can sprinkle a sprinkle on it, you know, and, and have some entertainment, you know, watching them hit a couple home runs here and there throughout the months. And you know, who knows, come the end of the year. at, well, at the end of the day, like, like, this is just for fun. I'm not going to tell my guys to go out there and hammer this. Absolutely. Um, because uh, you don't know what's going to happen. God forbid the guy gets injured, you're done, right? Like, it's as simple as that. So he could have the most phenomenal oh, right. productive yeah. first three months, go down to injury, and, you know, that bet's dead. So just a small sprinkle on That's the only future I'm playing, and uh, we'll see. Hey, the only other time i played some kind of, like, weird odds like this before um, and I was super lucky for it to hit. I took Kareem Hunt to be the rushing leader his rookie okay. year. Right after uh, – I'm blanking on right the – Right after running back. ACL. Yes, yes. And uh, I had, I just threw – I think it was like three or four bucks on it, but it paid two grand um, when it was all and, – and and he almost didn't get it. He Like there was all this, you know, rumors that he wasn't going to play the final game. And if he did, he was only going to get a couple snaps. And he ended up breaking a run on like his second carry – to put them over the top, and oh, was it one of those deals it? where
2: they had nothing to play for the last game?
1: Yeah, it was. It was crazy. I was flipping out watching. It was. It was so <laughs> wild. So hopefully, <laughs> I have cool. the same kind of. Hey, uh, you got
2: a good story to tell from it and some money absolutely. as well. So, yep. And if it didn't happen, it wouldn't have cost me much. So there you so go. Exactly. Um, I, I, as you said, I I also don't really get too involved with the futures market when it comes to Major League Baseball. Um, every now and again, a win total, but for the most part, uh, very difficult, I find, uh, just to get a grasp on where the season's going to go. And, you know, gosh, it it felt crazy to think that, I mean, if you you count last year, that was the first Los Angeles Dodgers World Series title in over 30 years. And, you know, I I mean, I I can never remember them in my lifetime really being bad. I mean, you know, and so just I think that's kind of the point here is like, you know, a team like that having not mm. even the Yankees, Bill. I mean, you know, we right. were alive for 2009 when they beat our Phillies, but other than that, like you know, before that, you know, there are there are children that have never seen the Yankees win the World Series, and mm. teenagers that were barely alive when they won right. in 2009. So uh, I think that kind of speaks to the the uncertainty that can come uh, with 162 games, and um, oftentimes you would think that that would be enough for the, the cream of the crop to rise to the top. But at the same time, you know, the, I don't feel like there's a lot of uh, value to be had in, in these prices when, when you look at that. And so, yeah, I really don't uh, do a whole lot with the World Series. Um, and uh, really just intrigued to see some of these races play out when it comes to divisions. I mean, obviously, the NL East looks to be really loaded and the West with the Dodgers and Padres is going to be fun to watch all year. I, I just think from a gambling perspective, it's a little hard to get involved when uh, you normally see some big moves made, right? I mentioned that NL West, they get Blake Snell and Hugh Darvish out there with the Padres, and uh, Francisco Lindor comes to the Mets, and, and, and how much of an impact that has on these teams. Because normally, you know, the, yeah, you, you have a Dodgers or a Yankees where they're bringing everybody back, and, and, and you kind of know that they're going to be, up front but then when you look at the world series prices and the teams at the top of the division there is normally a big addition or two Nolan Arenado going to the St. Louis Cardinals where it's like okay well that could be a big impact that could be maybe not as big of an impact as I thought but gauging how that is priced in the marketplace uh, can sometimes be challenging
1: yeah yeah I don't I just don't ever really see much value in the MLB futures and like I said it's it's so much better to wait wait it out like almost a month just to see if you get a better feel of it. Because
2: And like you and said, you I said, think those with additions, the...
1: you don't know how they're going to gel. You do know how these lineups are going to really work right. out. There's
2: it, just it was some of the stuff. individual awards. If you want to sprinkle like Yellich was a big price preseason in the year, he won the MVP. Mm-hmm. By all means, you know, have a little fun, put a dollar here, a couple bucks there. Um, and if you, you know, if you're, if you're live there into August and September, more power to you. But <laughs> I did just want to talk a little bit about some of the things that I look at on a day-to-day basis. And really what I highlighted were four things uh, that I like to look at. Um, something we talked about before we hopped on here. I think weather, particularly wind patterns, can be something that can fly, by the ra- fly under the radar a little bit. Remember, this obviously is an outdoor sport. And I feel like it gets talked about more with football, uh, which in a weird way, I, I think it actually should probably be considered more with baseball because you're talking about batters you know, trying to hit the ball, and especially in today's day and age with how many home runs we've seen, the amount of balls that can maybe die at the warning track due to wind patterns or the amount of you know routine fly balls that just keep carrying on certain days. I think that's something that obviously when it comes to totals is something that we definitely want to look at So I'll look at the weather. I also mentioned this to you and Alex yesterday. I like to look at umpires and try and find their strike zones. I I think that's also something with totals that I think you can get a little bit of an edge on. Uh, Certain umpires will have bigger strike zones, which can lead to more unders and vice versa. With certain umpires and smaller strike zones lending itself to more overs. Uh, So just something that I think uh, you can find that data on umpires. And I think it can be pretty worthwhile. Uh, and then as far as sides are concerned, uh, I, I think, and we, I will actually give out a divisional dog uh, later on in the podcast, but I think the big underdogs, particularly the, in divisional games, can always have some value and be a little underpriced and worth taking a stab at, talking about these dogs of, you know, plus 170 or greater. Uh, generally speaking, remember, it, it is 162 games, and even the worst teams in baseball are going to win at least 60. And so when you think of it that way, uh, and when you think about the fact that these teams that have the lowest win totals in the season, uh, more often than not are still going to be that plus money dog on the money line most games. You think about the return you can get when you do hit them, obviously, I believe it was 2019. We had that big four to one or Tigers underdog cash against the Astros, which made some gambling headlines uh, with Verlander pitching there for Houston and, and the Tigers winning. I believe they were like plus 435 on the money line. So that's a, an extreme example, but I do sometimes uh, find myself gravitating towards those like dogs of plus 170 or greater. Um, and then last thing on sides, I like to look at the, uh, the batter versus pitcher data. So, you know, how does one lineup do historically against the pitcher that they're facing and um, I think that maybe seems a little uh, little simplistic, uh, but can maybe get overlooked a little. So, just the history of the hitters against those particular pitchers that they're facing, uh, I'll like to look at. And, and last thing, I'll mention this plenty. Uh, you got to look at the bullpens. Uh, it's just uh, the variance there can just get ridiculous with a crooked number that just screws a side or a total for that matter. If you're on a full game, so. Are just some things that I like to look at there, and now I'll let you uh, share some of your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I'll piggyback on a few of them. Uh, weather, wind patterns, 100% uh, a big part of it, both totals and for me. Um, you know, obviously, it can affect the way that, you know, if you're playing a team who you're backing them because you expect them to put up a lot of runs, and if you have the wind blowing in uh, pretty steadily and, you know, they're not able to get those deep balls like they're normally hitting, um, that can affect it as well. So that's definitely a part of it. Uh, I haven't really looked too much into the umpire piece of it, but I am curious about it. I'll probably dab one in a little bit this year. Some of the stuff that you had mentioned with regards to um, underdogs, right? Like if you look at it and I'll get into this a little more as we go and throughout the year, um, I really am going to try and dive more into this uh, sports data, query language stuff. It's, it's fascinating to me where you can run these reports and, and pull up all this information over historical data. But, um, yeah, when you're mentioning the fact that, you know, the worst team's going to win 60 games, and of those 60 games, how many are their dogs, you know, if you're betting normal games, you know, you're betting baseball or, sorry, basketball or football or something like that where there's not the money line that spreads, you, you're trying to get between 52 and 55% to stay profitable. You know, if you're betting underdogs – you don't have to do that. You could be right. very well sub 50% and still be very profitable depending on what these what these numbers are. And I want you to throw these two things out to to our audience and to you um, that I thought was really interesting last year. So teams that played uh, on the road as dogs between like one, plus 110, 155, who had previously been at home and favored. So a team, when I'm looking at it that way, it's okay, they, they were a decent team. Obviously because they were a home favorite. Now they go on the road, they're most likely a dog because of the fact that they're on the road for the first game after a home stand. Um, and they're playing against a team that was previously in away dog. So you know a team coming back from a road trip. Last year there was only eight games that that filled, fall into this category, but the team was six and two, plus eight a little over eight units and historically meaning going back to just 2018, that trend is twenty two and seven for plus 15 and a half units. Thought that was really interesting. And this, for dogs. This is the road
2: dog off of being a home favorite.
1: Correct, correct. And the other one was a home dog that was previously a home favorite, plus one twenty to plus one sixty. Last year there was only five of those games, five and zero for plus six point four five unit. Historically, from eighteen to two thousand twenty, went seventeen and nine for plus twelve and a quarter unit. So there's not many of them, but I'm definitely going to use this and um, keep my eye on them if they fall into this category this year because um, you know, why not? If they're hitting at that kind of rate, even though there's a rarity to it, you know, when you compile the amount of games over the course of the season, it's a very, very small percentage of them. But I'm just sure going to keep it on my radar, when I see it, I'm definitely going to be making these plays. But you mentioned the other one was you know, the matchups between the pitchers and, and the lineups. I, I, I always factor that into my handicap. Um, I, I specifically key in on, on OPS. If a team has a very, very good OPS against a certain pitcher, um, and obviously the majority of those guys in the lineup, I think that's a huge piece to it. Um, there's some sites out there where you can really filter the data down. I like to try and keep it within the last three years, um, and I like to try and up the uh, plate appearances between, like, around 10 if I can um, to still get some good data because, like, just for instance, you could get somebody like a Pujols, right? Like, Pujols probably has great numbers against some of these pitchers, but, you know, that was five. Ten years ago, where right? He had those right. Great numbers now, he's not that same hitter. So you kind of want to be careful with them because it can be a little misleading. But I think that's a a really good thing to take a look at because even some of the best pitchers, you know, in the game have certain players and in, in lineups for that matter that they just struggle against. Um, so you want to keep your eye on that. But I, I usually use it more so if I'm going to be backing a team uh, because of the pitcher. I want to make sure that they have this lineup they're going to be going against on a low OPS. Um, and to make me feel a little bit more comfortable in my handicap. The uh, only other thing I think that I really take into consideration uh, when I'm looking into baseball, and obviously besides the weather and the, and the matchups there, is something I look at with pretty much every sport, and that's just the way the line's moving. Uh, I'm always looking at the amount of public money that's coming in, how it's affecting the line. Um, again, not the end-all, be-all, but if I'm looking at the team to back and I'm seeing the reverse line movement on it on top of my handicap. It's going to make me feel a lot more comfortable than it being the opposite. It might make me uh, hold off on a bet. It never will make me switch completely, but it might, sure. you know, keep me off a of play. You're so an
2: additional benefactor. Exactly.
1: So you know, those are the pieces that I'm really looking at when I'm doing baseball here. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting that you had a couple of the same points that I'm looking at when I'm doing the handicap and, you know, hopefully our listeners can take some of that information and use it to their advantage too. Cause like we say, like we're always going to put these picks out, feel free to tell them, feel free to fade them. You know, we're wishing, we're hoping everybody beats the book in some way and, you know, just giving out this kind of information. We can hope you guys can right. take it.
2: Exactly. And, Not and a it single to pick there in the exactly. past few minutes, but just trying to inform a little and have a little fun while we do it. Let's take a break and then we will get to our opening day picks on the other side. Hey everyone, it's Greg again, this time to talk to you about hosting your own podcast with our distributor Blue Wire Pods. And there's no better place to host than BlueWire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art Q&As with Blue wires top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning cor- course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help get you your podcast pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate any hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to make if you're ready to do more, than just listen to us talk about your favorite teams, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance in the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Major League Baseball opening day, the topic of discussion today. Uh, My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg, joined by Bill Christie. Find him and his gambling information at Larry's Locks2. Lucha Larry is how you find him on the Twitter. And let's go ahead and roll right into it with, Uh, First pick for me, uh, as uh, we're going to do this chronologically, we hope that you're able to listen on a Thursday morning and get all the picks. Uh, But if you happen to be tuning in around your lunch hour and these games have already started, well, uh, you can fast forward closer to the end of the pod, uh, maybe if you're looking to get some action down later in the day. But I want to actually start with a divisional home dog. Uh, The Detroit Tigers are going to be a play for me against the Cleveland Indians. I grabbed plus 168 for the Tigers as Matthew Boyd toes the rubber for Detroit uh, against the Cleveland ace, Shane Bieber. Uh, And this is a little bit of a both a play on Boyd and against Cleveland. Uh, I'm kind of expecting that Boyd will bounce back. Uh, he's 2020 20 was pretty rough, but opponent batting average and WHIP numbers were much better in 2018 and 19 than they were last year. Short season, didn't have a very good year. He had previously been in 18 and 19 a guy that was dangled at the trade deadlines by Detroit, um, and obviously had a pretty high price tag attached with him. And then last year never really uh, got it all going. So I'm hoping that he'll bounce back as part of my pick here and that he'll be able to throw a good game on opening day 2021. But my big thing here is should the Cleveland Indians ever be close to a $2 favorite? And I have a real hard time getting there with them. I know Shane Bieber is excellent, a guy who uh, continues and probably will again find himself atop the AL Cy Young Award discussion. Uh, But you look at what has happened with this Indians roster the last couple years. Just so many key players, you know, whether it's lineup guys in Carlos Santana, Francisco Lindor, or Michael Brantley over the last couple seasons. Brad Hand in the bullpen no longer there. He's with Alex's Nats. Uh, Carlos Carrasco, Trevor Bauer, Mike Clevenger all have departed the rotation. I just think more often than not, I know Bieber's pitching this game, but more often than not, I'm going to be fading this Cleveland team more than I am buying them, uh, and I I will be content to lose on them early if they continue to prove that they can retool and compete on the fly. That's what they've been doing recently, took a step back last year. I think they're around a 500 team. Don't think 500 teams should be minus 185 or whatever Cleveland is. So I am going to take the price with the home dog.
1: Yeah, I don't have anything. I'm not going to be going against you on anything. I'm not going to be riding anything with you, I don't think. So I'm just going to be wishing you the best of luck all the way through on these picks. And um, I guess I'll get to my first one. Yeah, let's go ahead and go
2: with you uh, taking us to the stadium there in the Bronx where uh, we have an AL East battle. Hin Jun Ryu for Toronto opposing Garrett Cole for the Yankees. Uh, You're going to be on the Bombers here on the run line.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm going to be on the run line, and uh, I'll probably take the money line as well, uh, a little
2: bit smaller.
1: Uh, I've found some interesting data. I know me and you had talked about it previously, about opening day and home favorites, uh, specifically the AL. It's just absolutely insane, the numbers, when you look at it over the past uh, you know 10 years or so. But look, the best team in baseball, in this, in this Yankees team, with arguably the best pitcher in baseball, Garrett Cole, on opening day, uh, I mentioned it before when I'm looking at back in a team, I want to see what the OPS is of the team against the opposing pitcher. Yanks, OPS, .88, uh, pretty good. When you're looking at the other side of it, Toronto career against Garrett Cole is uh, sub .6, so actually sub .55. Uh, so I think that lines up well for me. And then again, like I said, looking at line movement, obviously the public's going to be on the Yankees. They're definitely going to be on them. They're the heavy favorite. Uh, but I did see the line move a little bit more towards towards the Yanks in that respect, going from about minus 175 up to minus 180. Um, and again, those historical numbers, when I looked at it back a few years, these home favorites, the AL home favorites on opening day, uh, the run line is usually pretty profitable. So we can – dump our juice a little bit by taking that minus run and a half. You know, I doubt it being uh, a game where it's going to be a one-run game here with the amount of runs that uh, the Yankees lineup can put up and obviously the amount of uh, lack of runs that Garrett Cole can allow. So I'll be back in the Bombers. I won't be doing it too, too much this year. So I figured if I got a chance <laughs> to do it on opening day, why not?
2: Yeah, I, I don't have a play here. I, I think it's a little, um, a little tricky to know with, with Ryu and obviously – how good he was in 2020 for Toronto. uh, If he's going to be able to actually go toe-to-toe with Cole here, obviously pretty low total here with these two pitchers uh, squaring off against each other. So, um, you know, at seven and a half. But again, as you mentioned, with a lineup like the Yankees, uh, you always kind of expect them to get theirs, which makes that run line a little more appealing if you think that they are going to be able to score. They got Um, a pretty good
1: closer, I think, right?
2: Well, uh, uh, you're talking about the Yankees? Yeah. Well, I got Araldus, who's still suspended, um, but uh, I think it's only for like another game or two. So um, he had something spill over from. I drafted him in fantasy, so um, I, I will say though that one thing that does give me a little cause for pause here, and I am this is just a generic thing that I'm, is going to apply to your other plays too, Bill. I don't love the home team run line for fear of the eight and a half inning game. Don't get that ninth at bat if they're only up one. No, I got you. Hundred
1: percent valid point.
2: <laughs> so, anyway,
1: though, come um, those six two Yankees, two runs for Toronto to come by Hernandez solo bombs.
2: Yeah, well, there, there you go. Exactly, <laughs> best of both worlds for you on that one. Um, let's move forward. I'm going to go to a an interleague game, the Border Battle out here in the Midwest, between the Milwaukee Brewers and the Minnesota Twins. I'm going to back the home chalk with the Milwaukee Brewers. First off, I think that what you said, Bill, is well taken about the home favorites. Uh, Ace pitcher, healthy lineup. Um, Normally, if there's ever a time to just back the better team, it would be there. So I wanted to also add that to your Yankees handicap. Um, I I like this Brewers team. I I think that uh, they're the favorite in the NL Central for a reason. Uh, Brandon Woodruff toes the rubber for them, and he's kind of used to this role. I know that uh, Milwaukee has been one of those new, new school opener, bullpen game type teams, and and obviously in 2018 it got them all the way to the National League Champion or yeah NLCS, and they lost to the Dodgers. Um, and then in 2019, uh, obviously they lost that wild card game against the Nationals in a game that they, they really should have had. So uh, they've had some success doing that, and then you get a Woodruff who obviously I think allows them to follow the traditional format a little more. Um, I think really that's my edge here, though, is I think I'm getting the better pitcher at basically standard juice here, minus 112, against Kenta Maeda, who was a middle-of-the-road guy before last year when he, his name popped up in the AL Cy Young Award race. So I'm expecting a little bit of regression on his part, that starts against a good team here in Milwaukee. Bullpens are pretty similar. The team on base percentages in 2020 were only two points apart, 315 for Minnesota, 313 for Milwaukee. So you're going to give me, I think, pretty even bullpens, pretty even lineups. I'm going to take my chances with the starter whose body of work over the last few years I like a little bit more, other than Maeda, who, again, prior to last year was just kind of a, a nice little middle rotation arm, not somebody I'd love as my opening day starter so i'll go with the milwaukee brewers for our next pick let's keep things moving and uh bill you're going to go back to the american league east where uh, you like another home run line uh up at fenway the red Sox uh minus the run and the hook nathan eovaldi towing the rubber for the bow yeah
1: pretty much the same handicap going forward with these picks here uh, again, AL, home favorite, opening day. You got the uh, Baltimore Orioles, who have a, not a, I want to say terrible OPS, but not a very strong one, um, going in this one, .667 in this one. And you look at the Red Sox, you know, they got .874, very, very strong OPS. Um, as, as we were talking about this before the pod, how this is like the first time you don't really hear the Red Sox being in the same conversation as as a potential divisional winner. And you look at the lineup, and it's not that terrible of a lineup at all. Um, they can definitely score some runs, and, and that's going to be what's going to carry them at all through this season. Um, and that's why I like backing them in this spot. You know, like we said, opening day, they're going to be fired up. They have, I guess, he's their ace. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of hard to say of all days an ace, um, but this Baltimore team really doesn't scare me in, in any way, shape, or form. There's nobody in their lineup that's intimidating. Uh, we, As a Phillies fan, right, they got the former Philly and Freddie Galvis, who looked pretty good last season, but at the end of the day, uh, he's not very intimidating out there. Gosh,
2: he's with, um, I'll Freddie. be honest, I did not know he was with Baltimore.
1: <laughs> there you go. So he's that much of a uh, unknown factor. So, yeah, again, I'm just kind of riding these trends here on opening day. I think it's going to pay off for us. Um, and the fact that I'm playing the run line and getting some plus juice on it, you know, even if I'm able to go two and one, uh, I'll be in pretty good shape. So,
2: Yeah, and and, and the one thing I will say here is, like you said, the narrative on Boston seems to be, eh, you know, uh, we don't really think they're all that good this year. You know, they screwed up the bets trade, and, you know, it looks like, you always kind of give, at least I give Tampa the benefit of the doubt. I think even I trust them to make those moves and still compete as they did moving Snell. So I, you have to think that obviously the Yankees will finish ahead of Boston and Toronto it made the splashy moves in the offseason, particularly with Springer. Um, and like I said, Tampa is a team that you kind of expect at this point to just figure it out and still compete. So it's really looking like fourth place might be where Boston finishes. At least that's the preseason narrative. Uh, surrounding the team. So I do think when it comes to the first game of the year, some of these guys uh, might be a little eager to do some narrative busting themselves. And so uh, playing that run line here would would give me less of a concern for sure. I would think that there might be some Red Sox out to make a little bit of a statement, uh, getting a little bit overlooked. So um, certainly no pushback from me on that one. Um, I'm going to stay in the Midwest uh, for another pick, uh, actually, uh, I'm going to go to another team in that National League Central, um, and this is a late afternoon first pitch uh, in Great American Ballpark, where I am going to take, I'm, actually, I'm thinking that the ballpark is still called that in Cincinnati, but uh, I'm going with the Reds on the money line against the St. Louis Cardinals. I got minus twenty one. 21. Luis Castillo is really what I'm interested in here or who I'm interested in. He's really improved from season to season, one of the better young arms in the game. Jack Flaherty, a bit of a, uh, a, set, a setback in 2020 uh, in that shortened season. Uh, so I think that uh, I'll take the pitcher that kind of looks to have still been on an upward trajectory uh, like Castillo. And then we mentioned the bat versus pitcher stuff. Castillo threw a two-hit complete game. I think did allow a run but against the Cardinals last September. So I think he's going out there with uh, a lot lot of confidence. And I think I like the depth in the Reds lineup a little more. There's probably the big names there with St. Louis and Goldschmidt and Arenado. But, um, you know, I'll take my chances with some of the lineup depth between Moustakis and Suarez. And, you know, Vado's still there, and although he hasn't been healthy. um, Tucker Barnhart, different guys that the Reds can throw at you. One through eight, uh, I, I think uh, they'll, they'll take a, a good enough chance here uh, for me to think that uh, Flaherty, uh, Flaherty against this lineup maybe doesn't quite turn it around just yet. So I like the Reds uh, for another pick for me. Anybody in particular? I mentioned a couple picks, uh, Bill, in this division, uh, just National League Central at large. Any thoughts? Honestly, no. <laughs> yeah, so I, haven't really,
1: I haven't really like researched too much about anything going forward with the, with the futures and, and who I'm picking to, to win the division. I, again, I like to see the first couple of weeks really play out because um, I just don't give that much credence. We talk about it all the time with basketball, right? Like those numbers before the team name preseason, it, it means nothing until these guys actually start playing. So right. get back to me in about a month and I'll give my picks on all those guys.
2: Um, let's go to the AL Central where uh, you like the Kansas City Royals, uh, also on the run line. Also at home, I know you said that you're going to, to a degree, sound like a bit of a broken record here, but this is your last pick, so go ahead and fire away.
1: Yeah, same same methodology here with with why I'm back in KC uh, Rangers again, another team with a, a, a poor OPS against the starting pitcher and Brad Keller, uh, 0.581, uh OPS against him historically, so don't see that changing too too much. Um, even Chris Davis, who I thought would have a decent one, he's only uh, 250 on the OPS number for him. Lifetime on four plate appearances, so it doesn't really worry me too, too much there. Uh, line has kind of moved towards KC a bit, I believe. I'm double-checking it right uh, right now, and it has... Yeah, it opened. Wow. I might have the wrong number here where it opened. I'm seeing it one that it opened at 120, now I can't be right, around 150, it's it's now picked up past 170 in some places. So, you know, the fact that it's going that high makes me feel good about getting it out when I did. Um, weather, as far as a factor in this one, it shouldn't play too, too much of a role. Uh, slight wind blowing in, but again, my biggest thing with this is you know, the OPS numbers it's a huge factor for me and you know I was talking about you know don't really pay attention too much to futures I will be playing that you know come the first two months of the season being done with you know the teams that have those high OPSs they seem to be the teams that are being able to compete and make these runs into the World Series over the past few years you know I I mean I remember growing up with the narrative of you know pitching wins championships and you need to have a stellar uh, rotation when you're getting into the playoffs in order to win but I mean, game changes, and it's been yeah. pretty evident over the past few years that you don't need that great rotation. I mean, even look at our Phillies back in 08. That rotation was
2: not Paddles good at all. That was, mean, yeah, Moyer was starting big games you know, walker. Right.
1: Exactly. So uh, that's something I'm going to be paying attention to, like I said, after the first couple of months. And if I see some teams, especially some teams that look a little bit surprising, um, that I can still get a decent number on, especially to win the division, I'll probably just jump on a few of those. Um, but that's all I got for that KC minus the run and a half. I'll probably be taking the money line a bit as well.
2: A couple more picks for me before we get out of Dodge here. Uh, I'm going to take the Chicago White Sox also in the American League Central at minus $1. eighteen for a West Coast action pick against the Los Angeles Angels. I don't even know if they're still called the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, but I suppose that's another podcast we could get into that. Um, but I, I think I, I just like getting the pitcher – that I trust more at this price point where, again, it's only a tick above your standard juice. Um, he was a not, uh, you know, and I'm getting a lineup that was a little bit better than the Angels' lineup was last year, although the Angels, you know, their offense was kind of their strong point. Uh, but Lucas Diolito has been uh, that pitcher that I trust at, at this uh, basically standard juice price point. Uh, he, he was a highly touted prospect in the Nationals organization, Um, and was traded to the White Sox, and it it looked like there in his early years in the big leagues he wasn't going to be anything more than a middle rotation arm, and he's really figured it out the last few seasons and obviously uh, deserves to get the ball on opening day for the Southsiders here. So uh, I I think that it's just a pitcher that I trust more. Dylan Bundy, the starter for the Angels, was in walking fade before last season. I mean, it was just like every star you faded this guy. Um, And he had a nice year last year. But just for context, his career ERA is still a full run higher than what his single-season ERA was in 2020. So take it with a grain of salt. Again, uh, kind of just expecting some regression, like one of my previous picks, expecting some positive regression from Matthew Boyd for the Detroit Tigers, expecting some negative regression for Dylan Bundy against the White Sox lineup that I really like. I drafted three of these guys on my fantasy team. I know nobody cares about my fantasy team, but <laughs> Yohama Makata, Luis Robert, and uh, Tim Anderson all on the squad for me. So, And it does look like, by the way, it's a young White Sox team, but in the limited at-bats that they've had against Bundy, they, they, they've had some guys that have had some success. Um, so better pitcher at this price point. We talked about the chalk being good bets on opening day. I think it translates out on the West Coast with the White Sox against the Angels. And then my last pick, uh, I have not locked this one in yet uh, because the weather seems to definitely be a factor in the nation's capital. Uh, But I'm going over the full game total. looks like six and a half, seven is probably where I can get this at between the Mets and the Nationals. I just this is just something I like to do. Probably should have brought this up in the – beginning of the podcast when it comes to strategies i like to go first five unders and i like to go full game overs when i'm betting my totals um will i mix in a few first five overs and full game unders for sure but i love the full game overs because i like to exploit the bullpen first five unders i like to keep the bet basically on the starters degrom versus scherzer i get it but also opening day we're living in an era of pitch limits and, you know, third time through, all these things, particularly on opening day, I don't know that either one of these guys goes too, too deep. And let's not forget these offenses still have a lot of big boppers, right? I mean, we know Alex loves Soto and, um, you know, different guys. You know, Trey Turner is a five-tool stud in that Nats lineup. Um, and you look at the shortstop for the Mets, obviously Lindor, one of the premier players in the game, just got his big contract extension with uh, the, that team in Queens, um, and Peter Alonzo uh, goes without saying, Michael Conforto, Jeff McNeil, there are enough good hitters on these two teams where I could see this being close. Uh, the bullpens have been bad. Uh, Mets were 21st in bullpen ERA last year, Nats 23rd, and obviously their bullpen struggles have been well documented the last five, six years. So I'm going full game over for the Mets and Nationals. For a final pick on the podcast. Quick
1: question though, yes. will it be a run in that first inning?
2: Well, you know that I wanted to get to that. Uh, we discussed the the fading run first inning. I'm thinking about my book hasn't put the prop up yet, but Bill, one thing I am thinking about tomorrow is just just for a little fun, put betting yes in every every
1: game.
2: I'm thinking about it. I, and if I had a guess, I would guess that you're going to end up being
1: profitable in that. Yeah.
2: You know, know. It's that, because, you know, and I think that one makes sense, too. Like, it is, everybody always says, if it's a good pitcher, you want to get to him early, come out aggressive, mm-hmm. don't let him get in the groove. And, yep. and generally speaking, that has been true. The first inning is where we see the most runs scored. And obviously, if it's a bad pitcher, well, then he's facing the top of the order the first time. You know, uh, you get that leadoff guy on, and uh it, it, Again, all we're asking for is to get them them to third with less than two outs. Fly ball works. They might be playing the infield back, conceding the run on a ground ball, you know. So anything works, and and trust me, that is something that I probably am going to end up doing just for some fun tomorrow is um, playing those uh, first inning runs. And that's another thing, Bill. We talked about the dogs uh, as far as money line. Like, you can probably get some plus prices on those yes props.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think it's so funny, too, like you think the public, you know, most casual people that are watching games in general, whether it be a player prop or just a total, the, the action's usually the over, right? Like, nobody wants to watch a game just to hope people don't score. Right. But it's so funny that this one bet that's gotten so much traction, no runs in the first inning, you know, the public loves to take the fact that there won't be any runs in the first inning. Right. Um, it, it's just, It's just funny to me, and... That people will blindly probably go take that. these kinds of
2: matchups too, right? The DeGrom Scherzer. Yeah. And the
1: thing is, like, yeah, it's a low over under, right? Like I said, I think I saw it one shot, but it was six and a half. You can still have a run the first inning. The game could end one nothing. Right. Yeah, that's so. true.
2: No doubt about it. So there he is, Bill Christie at Larry's Locks 2 on Gambling Twitter. You know him as Lucha Larry. I'm Greg Frank. Find me and all my tips at Undercover Greg. Uh, Bill, good to have you aboard talking some baseball. Looking forward to keeping this rolling, and obviously uh, we'll talk Final Four later in the week. Absolutely. Sounds good. There he is. Again, he's Bill Christie. I'm Greg Frank. Follow the podcast as well at full underscore slate underscore pod. Everyone, enjoy opening day. Here we are. We have made it. Talking about normalcy. Fans in ballparks for 162. Let's play ball. This has been Full Slate a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Again, for Bill Christie, I'm Greg Frank. Thank you all for listening. And, of course, please play responsibly.
0: Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters, the more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings. From RootMetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.